Welcome to the Odds Makers Podcast, presented by Superbook Sports. The line starts here as we take you behind the counter for an all-access look at the biggest events in sports. Through the minds of career Las Vegas odds makers, Jay Cornegay and John Murray. Want the very best in odds boosts, promotions, and contests? Download the Superbook Sports app. Follow us at Superbook Sports on social media and head to Superbook.com. Superbook.com today. Now let's jump behind the counter and talk with the odds makers before we get our wagers down. Here's your MC, Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome into this week's edition of the Odds Makers, presented by Superbook Sports. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. It is the Odds Maker this week. Jay Cornegay is off. John Murray is here, not in his stead because he's here every single week. But John will take uh, most of this to himself. You're going to have all the analysis. You're going to have everything for us here today. I, I don't consider Jay to be off. Jay's on a work trip. I meant off, like literally off, right. like off I, into the that. Yeah. Like that's actual work, right? That's excruciating. Is he? Is he? Where are they doing a photo shoot for more cutouts of Jay? Actually, I just got off the phone with him. He was drinking a beer at a bar. Okay, that, uh, being charged <laughs> to the company. But that—that's true work. I mean, we almost never drink beers on this show. It's very true. That's for the. Uh, that's yeah. for the other thing that you got. Yeah, Raina. Yes. Me and Raina do a show. Uh, two beers, two games, two minutes. And we get to drink a beer. That's the only reason I agree to do the show. You have to drink the beer within two minutes? No, in fact, we never do because they've got these ridiculous mics that I, I, that I can't. I have to hold the mic and talk and drink the beer. I can't, I can't even do two things at once. No, you can get a straw. We'll figure these things we out. We drink Logistics. the beers after the show is over. We drink the beers. Well, it did sound like, um, according to some reports, odds makers needed a beer last weekend yeah. after seeing some results in terms of the National Football League. Were you guys one of the books that reported losses on Sunday? Uh, nice transition. Yes, we were. We, we had a bad Sunday. We had a great Saturday. We had our best Saturday of the year. We had a very poor Sunday, a good Monday. Mm-hmm. It just uh, it goes up and down, John. When it comes to comparison handle-wise, Saturday to Sunday, a winning Saturday but a losing Sunday, if yeah. you combine those together, is that ultimately a loss for you considering how much more action you get on Sundays? Or no, we came out ahead for the weekend. Okay. Uh, and don't forget about Monday night. You know, week three, our big loser was Dallas beating the Giants on Monday night. That was the game that really swung our week. Week four, we did well on the Monday night game with San Francisco beating the Rams. Overall, I wouldn't say we were happy with the results because you never want to lose like that on a Sunday. Yeah. But overall, we came out fine. Not too worried about it. And the first losing Sunday, I'm correct? First losing Sunday of the season. You know, I keep hearing that, but there was only four. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the first losing Sunday. Well, yeah, there's only been three so far until that Sunday. Yeah, I mean, but also the first of, yeah. I mean, well, how many of, are we talking? Unfortunately, when you've got 18 regular season weeks, there will be a few every season where too many favorites cover the point spread, too many house players hit, hit you big. And you take a loss. It's oh. just it just is part of the experience. I was surprised to hear you guys were open the next day. Yeah, we were. Yeah. I, I wasn't here on Monday. <laughs> I, yeah, they must have been open. Yeah, of course. They had to have been. All right, so with that, we have a great week in the National Football League to look forward to. It's fantastic. Top to bottom. A schedule that is uh, incomparable to all of the ones we have Not seen as good this point. Last week's schedule was so good, and I heard that next week is great. So you, there's had to be some sacrifice, man. That's why Cornegate went out of town this week. Yep. It's like, you guys do the show. Well, speaking of Jay, his Broncos uh, are on Thursday Night Football, taking on the Indianapolis Colts, playing host. Superbook look ahead was Denver minus 2.5 with a total of 43. You reopened Denver minus 3 with a total of 43.5 on that Black Sunday. Currently, 3.5 right now. Total down to 42. But injuries are the concerns for Indianapolis here at this point. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard, among others, not going to be available 
for Indianapolis. On the flip side, Russell Wilson removed off the injury report, so it's all things systems go for Denver for this point. I'm not calling this past Sunday a black Sunday. Okay, right. it's just it's just getting too extreme. Okay, uh, but yeah, the the injury report for Indianapolis. What is going on with the Indianapolis Colts, John? I mean, I know that's just your squad. Really, a bad performance on Sunday. That was one of the games that dinged us because we got beat up pretty bad on Titans money line bets around the country. Yeah, that was a really bad result for us in the morning. Now Jonathan Taylor's out. Leonard's been hurt. Matt Ryan, he just does not look like the Matt Ryan that, that had so many good years in Atlanta. He doesn't really look like an NFL starting quarterback anymore. Uh, and I don't know. Frank Reich is definitely on the hot seat. If they lose this game on Thursday night, that could be the end for Frank Reich. I will tell you this. I think he's on the hot seat not because because he's actually had some good seasons for Indianapolis. Yeah. You know why I think it would be on the hot seat? This is the second quarterback that he has told Jim Irsay, hey, go get this guy. I can do something with him. Carson Wentz and Irsay was very vocal about being disappointed with that. And then this year with Matt Ryan, I would assume that's what put him on, uh, puts him on the hot seat. You got me to spend assets to go get this guy. Yeah. And for two straight years, that guy has not been any good. Absolutely not. And I, I, heard, uh, I read a report that Washington has to give Indianapolis a second-round pick <laughs> if Carson Wentz takes 70% of the snaps. Yep. I hope that somebody is paying attention in Washington and makes sure that Carson Wentz doesn't take 70% of the snaps so that the Colts can't get another second-round pick. Yep. Among the league, by the way, uh, Matt Ryan, to your point, uh, some of the numbers behind him, like turnover-worthy play rate, among the worst in the National Football League, commits a turnover-worthy play on 5% of his passing attempts. Uh, It has been really bad, and it's why this offense, at last look, EPA per play-wise, 31st in the National Football League. Not much on the skill positions, though, for Indianapolis. The receiver, Taylor's good, but the receivers are not good at all, and now Taylor's out. So in addition to being at the end of his career, Matt Ryan, he doesn't really have much to work with. It's going to be a tall task on Thursday night against a pretty good Denver defense. Uh, I would assume, given all the injury news and the negativity surrounding Indianapolis, Denver will be a very popular play on Thursday night. Well, they will. And uh, especially, you know, we have the Superbook in, in, in Blackhawk, Colorado, yeah. the Lodge Casino, and we, we usually get a lot of Denver bets. I mean, we the, the Raiders was one of our worst, worst results in Nevada on Sunday, but we actually did really well in that game in Colorado because of all the Broncos money line bets we took in Colorado. So we'll, we'll be pretty loaded on the Broncos tomorrow night, especially as Superbook CEO. Now, from a money line parlay perspective, I would assume you will be loaded up on the Buffalo Bills, who will be playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, from numbers-wise, look ahead. You guys had Buffalo minus 13, total of 47.5. You reopened them 14 with a total of 47, and we're pretty much there right now. Buffalo 14, total of 46.5 currently uh, as it stands, and it is the start of the Kenny Pickett era. For the Pittsburgh Steelers. They'll be in a lot of money line parlays, but they won't get as much spread action as you'd think. You, you get a, a two-touchdown favorite like that. That scares away a lot of the general public betters. The general public, they want to lay Chargers minus five and a half at Texans. Yeah. Like they did on Sunday in a game that we got crushed on. That's what they're looking to bet. They're not looking to lay two touchdowns. Even against Kenny Pickett, I know he threw, I think, three interceptions and about a quarter and a half work on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's going to be really tough for him. So when you look at this from that perspective, because what it is is you see this a lot at the book, Buffalo will be the team at the end of the, the parlay, right? Where they'll go, let me add one more to get a little bit of a higher payout here. Don't do that. Right? But, I mean, no, I'm not saying you should. I'm saying that will be the rationale. Oh, I, I know that you're not saying yeah. you should. I'm saying that you know. <laughs> like it just, it just adds a little bit of money to the parlay, and you never know. Especially Correct. in the NFL, we've seen these we've seen these teams lose these games before. I don't think that's going to happen this week. Although Buffalo is off of some real tough games, yep. a real tough game against Miami that they lost two weeks ago, 
and then a really back and forth battle against Baltimore this past Sunday. They got a couple calls to go their way in a real physical game. This is a, a very big look ahead spot for Buffalo. They get Kansas City next week. They're going to be looking at this game like a layup. They might look past it. Be careful if you're going to use them in your survivor pools, John. Mm-hmm. And then you won't have them to use the rest of the year. Oh, they're going to be the most popular. Oh, I know solution. that. Yeah, I know that. They got a bit, that's tough because now you can't use them the whole rest of the season. Yep. So we always talk about quarterbacks, power ratings, all of these things. If we're using the Superbook numbers, it would seem that from look ahead to here, difference between Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, just a point. Yeah, and even that, that's now that you're just hearing that out loud, that sounds like a lot. Trubisky yeah. was so bad. I don't know that there's a difference. If anything, I think the Steelers are better off getting Pickett in there. I mean, they've got to find out what they have there. So then let me ask you, so when we see those adjustments from look-ahead line that you guys had mm-hmm. to market reopening on Sunday, how much of that is also you guys just kind of bracing for the action? Like if you hang Buffalo minus 13 on Sunday mm-hmm. before they take on a rookie in the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're going to get a lot of money line 13 or 13 and a half because that's underneath that key number, right? So some of it is that, but some of it is also just us changing our perceptions of these teams as we're watching the game. You're talking about one point. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we'll just see something during the game and we'll say, you know what? These guys are a little better than we think. It's not just about the quarterback change because, to me, that's not really – that doesn't really matter. Trubisky, Pickett, I, what's the difference? Yeah. Is Mason Rudolph still on that team? Yes, he is. That would be a difference. <laughs> for the positive or the negative? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think so. Now, this is why I like these stretches where we get to see some of these quarterbacks. And I heard you mention earlier before we came on, quarterback play right now, not very great in the National Football well, you League. Well, you were, let's just call it what it was. You were eavesdropping on my previous show. Yeah. Uh, you made some comments, sort of some peanut gallery remarks. What are you talking about? It was positive. Right. I gave you a thumbs yeah, up. It was yeah. great. And, <laughs> and yes, I did say that on a previous show. I, I didn't realize that the, the average game score is down about five points per game around the league. Yeah. That's what she told me. Literally what she said. The quarterback play is so bad for a lot of these teams. There's even some teams around the league that have winning records that are getting just lousy quarterback play. Yep. And I bring this up because it might not be lousy quarterback play, but we get wrapped up in quarterback records. And so when a Cooper Rush, for example, is <laughs> off to the start that he who's is. Who's we? Who, who's we? <laughs> the collective. Okay, we, the collective. The collective, yeah. the collective uh, of man. Yes. Uh, right. the humanity. Uh, <laughs> because the Dallas Cowboys, I think this is actually really fascinating. So yeah. the Dallas Cowboys are going to be on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. The look ahead for you guys at the Superbook was Rams minus seven with a total of 46. We see that adjustment Rams minus six and a half at the reopen on Sunday with a total of 45. And uh, as of today, when it comes to that number, Rams minus four and a half. With yeah. a total of 43 and a half. One of the comments you know, in the group chat on Monday night was, how did this team possibly win the Super Bowl? The Rams. <laughs> Talking about the Rams. You know, look, Matthew Stafford is not playing well right now. And this looks like a team that mortgaged its future. They traded so many high draft picks to get to what they did last year. They won the Super Bowl. It all worked. Mm-hmm. They would do it again in a heartbeat. But they haven't had a lot of high draft picks, to put it nicely. And they just they look like a team that needs to refresh its roster a little bit. They don't have any depth. They have no depth, and they're not getting good quarterback play. Sean McVay is as good of a coach as there is in the league, but he doesn't have a lot to work with right now. Yep. So this is why I wanted to bring up the dynamic of the quarterback's point differentials. This is a little bit more than a point, right? Your look-ahead line last week was the full touchdown. Now we're talking about the range of four and a half. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think it's I think it's got just so much to do with the way the Rams are playing right now. Yeah. And the way they looked on Monday night. Yeah, the Rams got manhandled by Buffalo too. 
in that first game of the season. They just haven't looked like themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically Stafford. Stafford does not look good right now, and I think that's why you're seeing these adjustments. So these uh, this adjustment then would be more Rams-centric than improving the Cowboys' rating because of the way the Cooper Rush has been playing. I think, to me, it's got more to do with the Rams. We, we still don't know what Cooper Rush is. What are you talking about? I read an article the other day that uh, should the Cowboys consider moving on from Dak Prescott. Well, didn't they just give him a big contract? <laughs> no, they, that oh. fat, malicious facts aside, right? You gotta, we, don't want, you gotta, we don't want to waste time with things like facts. Well, let, throw let, it into the machine let, and let it grind it out. Let's see, because it was a good win against the Bengals in Week Two on a late field goal. Then they played the Giants in a game that could have easily gone other way, yep. and then they played the the Commanders or whatever they call themselves. I mean, we, we got to see a little bit more out of Cooper Rush. Plus, I believe those were all fairly low scoring games. Yes. Like, do we give a quarterback all the credit for a win when the final score is 20 to 17 i don't to be fair like if you if you value these sort of things from like a pff passing grade standpoint he's actually graded out pretty well about like low to mid 70s which is you know passable and solid however i would argue that's what you want out of your backup quarterback a starting quarterback like a dak prescott maximizes your roster right and wins at the margins and makes them that much better well the biggest there's a lot of guys in the nfl that are backup quarterbacks that are starting quarterbacks they could go in for one to three games and do a serviceable job, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make them NFL starting quarterbacks. That doesn't mean they could survive the grind of a 17-game season and produce week to week. The number of guys that can do that is very few. One of them might be Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow. They're pretty good. Uh, And they're going to meet each other. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. You guys really didn't adjust at all from this. Look ahead was 3.5, 48 in total of Baltimore. It's 3.5, 48 uh, looking at Baltimore as well. So I guess my question here would be, if you're looking at that, and we talked about this last week, the value of home field, and home field not really being worth that much, that number would tell you that the Ravens right now rate out as the better team, would it not? Yeah, the Ravens slightly better than Cincinnati. You know, I, I, I've had a real high opinion of the Ravens. I think I said on the show last week, I think that Buffalo and Baltimore might be the two best teams in the league. I might have been getting a little carried away there. To put Baltimore ahead of Kansas City might be a bit extreme, but Baltimore's got a lot of talent as well. Lamar Jackson is playing the position at an extraordinarily high level right now. We'll see how good Cincinnati is in this game. Because Cincinnati, they should have won week one against Pittsburgh. Obviously, they should have won that game. And then the the Dallas game week two could have gone either way. They could be 4-0 coming into this game. So we'll see. This, we're going to learn a lot about the Bengals on, on Sunday night. So I, I think this is a really fascinating game for multiple reasons. First of which is I, we always talk about players, their work to a point spread, all of these things. How much do – I don't think coaches are worth anything to a point spread, but they affect these games. So you bring that up for two reasons. One, Zach Taylor and his love for cowardly field goals inside, you know, the, the one-yard line. He does. Because uh, I know you're very big on uh, kicking is for losers. Oh, yeah. But the well, other part – uh, Yes. Yeah, uh, right? I've been known to say that. Of you, course. Uh, uh, have you patented yet or trademarked I, or whatever it is? People don't understand this, though, John. I That's my favorite part of the week is when they kick it like an 18-yard field goal. It's, it's hilarious. I think it's so funny. I mean, like, just seeing the other team and they're all standing in the end zone. Right. As they wait for the team to kick like a 16-yard field goal. Was it Shanahan on Monday night that actually took a penalty because they were too close? Yeah. To kick the field goal, <laughs> right? And I, I was rooting for the Raiders on Sunday for some personal reasons that I don't want to get into on the program. And I just found it agonizing watching the coach kick like, like let's go for another 15-yard field goal, coach. I mean, why not just go for it? So that's why I bring this up. So there's Zach Taylor yes. who does that. 
But and then John Harbaugh Har- kicks a field goal in a tie game. <laughs> yeah, right. Those are the those are the different things at work here, right? Because yeah. you have one guy who is somewhat cowardly in his decision making, and you have the other guy who is very analytically sound in his decision making. That some would find it actually somewhat brash. That was very aggressive. Right. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't agree with it, but in a tie game, and it was like fourth and three, right? Mm-hmm. That's a bit aggressive. I mean, I think it was probably the right decision because when you're making that decision, maybe the number one thing to factor in is who's on that other sideline. Yeah. You're about to kick the ball back off to Josh Allen. With what, four minutes left to go? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're kicking the ball off to one of the three best players in the league. Now, if, if Cooper Rush was on that other sideline, you'd probably kick that field goal there. But do you really want to give Allen the ball back? He only needs three points to tie you. I can see where Harbaugh's coming from. Yep. And we transition to Monday night, which is going to be a lot of fun. Las Vegas Raiders on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Look ahead here is Kansas City minus 6.5 with a total of 50.5. You guys reopened Kansas City minus 7 with a total of 50.5. And, and that's pretty much where we're at right now. Uh, we have seen a total uh, jump here a little bit, but I think you're at like about 51 or so at the Superbook. So I guess the question starts with the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a team that had kind of been eh, through the first few weeks yeah. and look like the epitome of the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How much does a performance in a primetime standalone spot make you look at a number like that and go, yeah, we'll hang that seven because they're probably going to get a lot of attention. Here's what I saw on, on Sunday night. I saw a Kansas City team that was pissed off that they lost the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Yeah. And they lost the AFC Championship game to the Patriots and Tom Brady the year before. They pulled out all the stops in that game. Andy Reid was deep in his bag with all sorts of crazy trick plays. Mahomes with the shovel passes. It, it was an incredible performance by Kansas City. But I felt like they, it seemed to me like they put so much emphasis on that game. And then you've got, a, you've got the Buffalo game looming the following week. I mean, yep. how many times in a row can the Chiefs get up for these regular season games? Yes, you saw a bump in the point spread because of the way Kansas City played on Sunday night. But this is a tough schedule spot for Kansas City. Off that Tampa Bay game on Sunday night, Buffalo looming the next week, a game that could go a long way to determining home field advantage, probably will determine home field advantage in the AFC. The Chiefs don't want to end up going up to Buffalo in January. Yep. Flip side of that is the Raiders. So what do you what have you made them from them from a rating standpoint? They finally get their first win. But there are multiple times where the Broncos could have gotten within that yeah. number, especially from a contest perspective, which we'll talk about the contest injuries momentarily, but uh, you guys hung three on the super contest, so mm-hmm. they could have gotten inside three multiple times. What do you make of the Raiders after a victory here? Because they still stink in the red zone to a certain I, extent. I still think the Raiders are so much better than their record, yeah. and I don't understand why when they get down to the red zone, they get all they get all conservative. You've got Devontae Adams. You've got Darren Waller. Use some of these players. Stop just running the ball and kicking field goals. I thought they should have maybe won that game a little easier than they did, although it was aided by uh, somewhat of a fluky fumble return for a touchdown mm-hmm. when Gordon coughed up the ball. So uh, maybe the final score was indicative of the game. But the Raiders are going to need they're, – they're not going to be able to beat a team like Kansas City kicking field goals inside the five-yard line. It's almost like having a good kicker is a detriment because guys like Josh McDaniels – will rely on that a little bit more. Daniel Carlson's among yeah. the best kickers in the National Football League, and I feel like you, then you get a little like, ah, let's take the, almost the guaranteed three. Why? Right. It's I like, agree. oh, well, we're, down to the, we're down to the six. We got the three points in the bag. Let's just go, let's just get <laughs> out of here. No, you got to keep going. You need to score touchdowns in the NFL. You're not going to beat good teams in the NFL kicking field goals inside the five-yard line. And, and the Kansas City Chiefs are as good as it gets. So the Raiders better take off the training wheels, and they better go for the touchdowns. 
they've got the talent on offense to win a game like that. They can beat Kansas City, but they need to be more aggressive. It's time for the big ticket. Hey, John, any tickets make you do a double take this week at the Superbook? Yeah, you've got your your, your normal uh, like 20,000 bets. We took one on Virginia Tech plus 14 and a half. That one caught my eye because I, I my brother, Peter, went to Virginia Tech. Peter uh, Murray, huh? Peter Murray. It's a strong name. Yeah, Peter's a funny name. Yeah. Uh, and he's <laughs> always, always complaining to me about Virginia Tech. And then we, we have a guy come in and lay 20K on the Hokies, plus 14 and a half at Pitt. That's my sister's alma mater, kind of yeah. a family affair, Jessica. And then we took, uh, we took some big bets on uh, Washington State and the over, like 15,000 on Washington State, 15,000 on the over. They're playing USC. USC's undefeated. So some, some pretty good matchups this weekend in the Pac-12. On big bets, very quickly, mm-hmm. are big bets necessarily sharp bets? Because I think there is a wide assumption that that is the case. No, I mean, you got, you, we've got some really respected people that, that bet twenty to 30,000 on NFL games. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, not necessarily. Probably, okay. I mean, probably not. Not in every case, though. And as we get closer to the weekend, we can take bigger bets. Right. Like, usually when you're doing the, the bigger tickets, those bets come in on Saturdays and Sundays when the high rollers get to town and the market's a little bit more settled. Do your limits shift throughout the week? We give more on Saturdays and Sundays. Yep. It's not maybe as, as specific as some of the other books, especially on all the offshore market, but we will give people more on the weekends. Let's get an update on the ultimate football handicapping challenge. Hey, guys, what's shaking in your super contest this week? Yeah, one entry at 18-2. and two. I got my, uh, I got the rundown here from our producer, Jeremiah. This is no good. He's got he's called he's called you out in the in the rundown here. Well, I think no. This is, is this? if I'm going to be part of the oddsmakers family and track the right. journey throughout the super contest, it'll yeah. be fun. And look, there are ebbs and flows to a season, John. Okay, there's a lot, yeah, no kidding. You should see my entry. Yeah, there's there's some there's a lot of that. There's a, it's a roller coaster. But there was a there. Was, I'll tell you, last year there was a four week stretch where I literally went one and four, five and zero, oh, zero oh and five, five and zero. Oh. What was your push, Bills? Bill. So you know I. Uh, I'm in a, another contest around town that had a quarterly prize, and I was, I was 13 and two going into the week, and I realized there's no way that I could actually win the quarterly prize unless I do something a little drastic here, mm-hmm. and I and the contest number on the the London game was two and a half, and I knew that the Vikings were going to be the most popular play at minus two and a half, so I used the Saints, oh. and just to try to pick up that game, I yep. thought that was my only real shot. So I go Saints plus two and a half. They scored that touchdown. They get the two. They took the lead. And I was actually on the radio with uh, your friend Adam Candy, Lotus Broadcasting, those guys. And I got to sit there and I got to watch the Vikings get marched down the field. While on the air? Uh, yeah. And it's like, are you, it's like, are you guys serious? Like, what, what was like a, a illegal contact? Yep. And then on third and long, they called pass interference, like the one yard line. Just a frustrating day in the NFL, and then I, and then I it doesn't matter. I lost two other games anyway. Well, and then you got the worst part is you got to be professional while you're doing it, right? Well, you can't no, explode. I, I wasn't professional. I cursed. I had to apologize to Adam off air. No, I'm kidding. I was no, gonna say really, no, no, way. no, no. Yeah, no. It, say, it was no fine. Way. It was a long shot, but I thought because they had they, they had twelve people mm-hmm. that were I think twelve or fourteen and one, and two or fifteen and zero. Oh. So my only real shot I thought was to go against the grain and steal a game that everybody else was on the other side of. And the Saints lost by three. I'm sorry, John. 
I feel very bad for you. I really do. Is that the makeup of this show now? We just complain about our own picks? No, of course not. No, it's, I mean, I think maybe. the listeners would really get a kick out of that. We can. Uh, it's we like can when people. Com- it's like when people complain about their fantasy team. That's very oh. fascinating. So maybe maybe we should do that. That or uh, you want to know what my favorites is? I love when people complain about their travel. That's oh, what yeah. I, I really <laughs> love to hear that. Like, oh man, you know, my trip to the Bahamas, the, the plane got stuck yeah. on the tarmac. Hour fifteen minute layover. <laughs> yeah, right. So, all right. With that. We go from big tickets and super contest updates to college football. We have a really good week of college football. I think this is the inverse of what we're talking about in the National Football League. This week is great in college football. So let's talk a little bit about what we're going to see here in the now Red River rivalry. Texas taking on Oklahoma on that semi-neutral Texas Really no movement from where you guys opened it at. Uh, other markets opened it up a little bit lower, but you guys opened up seven and a total of about 65 and a half, and that's where we're sitting at from a market perspective. The difference is you really opened at six, and that was the one-point adjustment that we saw in the direction of Texas. Well, Oklahoma is a mess. You know, we, we, we saw last year Lincoln Riley leaves to go to L.A. He brings his quarterback, Caleb Williams, with him. Other players transferred out. Brent Venables, the, the career assistant, becomes the head coach, and – it's shocking to see their defense get gashed like that. It's bad. You know, you think maybe Venables is going to come in. He'll tighten up the defense, but are they going to be able to move the football without Caleb Williams with a defensive-minded head coach? But it's really the defense has been terrible for the Sooners. they got a lot of problems, and they could be in trouble here against a Texas team that took care of my Mountaineers on Saturday mm-hmm. and probably should have beat Alabama a few weeks ago in Austin. So. Bad spot for Oklahoma here. I, I'm assuming we'll need the Sooners. It's surprising to see how much that rivalry has shifted where Texas is now laying seven points. So how much, because at the center of this is quarterbacks as well. Quinn Ewers has been dressing the last couple of weeks but has not appeared, and Sarkeesian has been kind of like tight-lipped about what's going to happen for his quarterback situation. And you mentioned the Alabama game. Before he got out, Quinn Ewers looked incredible in that Alabama game in the first right. half. And then on the other side, Dylan Gabriel it's dealing with a concussion. They're not being forthright with what's happening there either. Suffered in that TCU loss. So from your perspective, how much do things change when it comes to college football and quarterbacks? Because I would assume there's really not a massive gap between starter and quarterback, mainly because we don't really know that much about the backup. We don't know much about the backup quarterback is the main thing. But if you have a, a Quinn Ewers was a highly decorated high school recruit. I mean, as well regarded as a high school quarterback as really anyone in the last five or six years. And he did play very well at the start. So there would certainly be a bump there if we saw we thought he was healthy. It's not enough to just say, oh, yeah, they're going to play him. Right. Is he 100%? That would make, I think, a pretty big difference for Texas, for sure. So, and if he's announced, because the, the market has this funny thing of, it sounds like Quinn Ewers is going to play. Mm-hmm. But once it's officially official, then the market shifts a little bit. I so. think we'll see a little, a, a little bump there. Yeah. I, I really do. Because I agree with what you said about Ewers against Alabama. And Oklahoma... I just don't think there's going to be a lot of people lining up to bet on them right now. I mean, look what you're seeing there. Why would you want to put your hard-earned income on a game like that? Yep. John? All right, so we stay in the Big 12 because that's the conference of the year so far. The Big 12 has been absolutely tremendous. And uh, one of the biggest stories is the Kansas Jayhawks, mm-hmm. who will take on TCU in a first-place game, essentially, here. Yeah. Horned Frogs, of course, as we know, run all over Oklahoma. So this has been an interesting game. You guys have seven, total of 68. Uh, this actually opened... I think five you guys had on my notes at least with a total of 67 and a half. So 
What do you make of this here? Because the market actually moved against Kansas last week. Yes. Iowa State was a very popular play against the Jayhawks, but they win that game outright. And now you get this game against the Horned Frogs, who Sonny Dykes has firing on every single cylinder possible. Well, TCU very highly regarded right now. And then we just talked about Oklahoma getting gashed. Well, that's where they got gashed by. They got crushed by TCU last Saturday. A lot of wise guys were on Iowa State against Kansas. I don't know what Matt Campbell was doing, sending that poor kicker back out there in one of the really one of the most questionable coaching decisions I can remember. You got a freshman kicker. Yep. He's already missed twice. It's fourth and one, and you, you send him out there for a field goal. I think that would have just tied the game, right? Mm-hmm. I'm speechless that they would do that. I'm speechless that college game day is going to be in Lawrence. And, I, and I'm most shocked by our producer, Mike Rigg, thinking that I could go to Lawrence for this game on a college football set. I guess no one's going to be running the book, Mike. Okay. You do everything, huh? No, I'm not going to Lawrence for the game. Mike's Why, going. Oh, they told me that they were going to actually record an episode, a special episode of the Odds Makers <laughs> out there at Lawrence. I'd love to go. I want to go to Lawrence for a basketball <laughs> game. Let's stick to football. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you, I'll ask you this because, so one of the things that from a personal standpoint, I am very interested in TCU, but market moves very quickly. So you miss out on the number. This seems like a relatively good example of a potential for betters to get in from an in-game standpoint. These are two very good offensive teams, yeah. potentially depending on how it holds up for Kansas early on. You can probably get in here and get a better number than what is currently up at this point right now. Probably, but remember, the, the people that are setting the in-game lines, they know how high-scoring these these two teams are. Yeah. They know that both these teams can score a touchdown at any point. So you're not going to see a drastic adjustment in the, in the first quarter of this game. Even if Kansas got the ball and they went right down the field and scored a touchdown, TCU is still favored on the live line. That TCU-Oklahoma in-game got up to 95.5 on the total last week. It was a, that, I didn't really have time to pay attention to that game because I, I looked and, and TCU was behind by so much, I just decided to focus somewhere else. But I, I did watch a lot of the Kansas game against Iowa State. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of their game against Houston a few weeks before that. I mean, they're very innovative play calling. The play calls that we're not seeing anyone else run right now, a very well-coached team. I think that they've played a pretty easy schedule this year. Houston's not as good as they normally are. Yep. Uh, we'll see. We'll learn a lot about the Jayhawks on, on Saturday. I don't think we've ever seen a, a program like this where you've got the reigning basketball champions and game day on campus for the football team at the same time. Kansas is in some rarefied air right now. Yes. It's going to be sad when Lance Leopold leaves in the offseason for a better oh. job. Uh, all right, let's go to let's go to the Pac-12. Utah taking on UCLA. The Bruins all of a sudden looked like the sexy team in the Pac-12. I think there's a lot of interesting angles here. You guys opened Utah three and a half with a total of 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is pretty much where we're at right now, with the alteration being total of 64 and a half. So I will ask you this: When I look at this number, I see, huh? Utah's only laying one more point than Washington was last week. Yeah. I don't think that Utah's only a point better than Washington. I think they're quite a few points better than Washington. Thus, I perceive some value here. Is that a fair way to look at these kind of numbers when you're talking about same setting, different opponents, and comparing and contrasting lines? Utah is better than Washington, certainly by more than one point. This adjustment has more to do with UCLA. Mm. That was a very impressive performance by UCLA. They really handled Washington last Friday night. UCLA was a team that we thought of as being overrated, just playing an easy schedule. We saw sharp players lay Washington in that game, and UCLA kind of blew them away. So what you're seeing there is an adjustment to UCLA's side. They're better maybe than we thought they were. Utah is the best team in the Mm Pac-12. They're better than USC. So we'll we'll see how good Washington is in this game. Or I'm sorry, UCLA is, excuse me, in this game. 
because Utah is very good. How much do you factor in, and maybe you don't factor it into the number, I have learned as, a, as somebody who handicaps sports from my end of the counter is spots in college are much more impactful. And what I mean spots is standalone game pretty much against Washington. Mm-hmm. You're an underdog at home. You take care of business in a very big way against Washington. Now you got to turn that back around a week and host the best team in the conference in Utah. It does seem like somewhat of a letdown after a very big win for UCLA last week. I think it definitely factors in a little bit more in college. These are still college kids, college athletes. It's hard for them to get up every single week. Yeah, this is a tough spot for UCLA, but you could also argue this is as big of a football game as UCLA has had in a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of eyeballs on this game at 1230. Utah, a very highly ranked team. I can't even remember the last time UCLA had a game this big. So we saved the best for last, mm-hmm. I guess, although the point spread uh, maybe says something otherwise. The Alabama Crimson Tide playing host to Texas A&M. Now, before the season started, this is going to be great. Right? Jimbo and Nick Saban going back and forth when it came to allegedly paying for players. It looked like Texas A&M was going to be a really good team before the season started. Yeah. Uh, And we thought that they think before the season started, this was around 14, if I remember correctly, from a game of the year standpoint. Texas A&M, their recruiting classes the last few years, I mean, we thought they were going to be as good as, you know, anybody in the country outside of that upper three of Alabama, Mm -hmm. Georgia, and Ohio State. I don't think that there was any team we saw as being better than A&M coming into the season. They have been, we talked about Oklahoma earlier on the show, but A&M has been as disappointing as anybody in college football. Really got manhandled by Mississippi State. Alabama's going to be out for revenge. You talk about a situational spot here. Well, Alabama lost to these guys last year. The only real question is the health of Bryce Young. Yep. The line seems to indicate that he is perfectly fine. And the reports that we've read, the quotes from Nick Saban, sounds like he's fine. Yep, and that was the thing. So for those who don't know, opened up Alabama minus 24.5 this game here at Superbook, and the total right around 51.5. Here I'll ask you this. So Bryce Young's obviously an elite NFL draft prospect. He's going to go up there very high in the NFL draft. But Jalen Milroe, their backup, looked tremendous last week against Arkansas. Uh, yeah. The athleticism was off the charts. He, lo- he looked like DK Metcalf running down the sideline. He had a scramble. For those who didn't uh, see it, yeah. the scramble that he had for like 77 yards where he gets pushed out like the one yard, it looked like he was barely moving. Like he was jogging down the field, and he's just outrunning all of these Division One athletes with no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that's I think people would be surprised. Let's say Bryce Young doesn't play. What is the drop-off there? Because I would assume, I mean, there's probably going to be some adjustment, yeah. but that offense changes. They set up Milrow for success. Like, that's still going to be a very potent offense, obviously. Yeah, they're still going to score a ton of points. They're still going to be able to run the football. They're still going to manhandle you at the line of scrimmage on offense and defense. You're going to see an adjustment because Young is considered to be such a great player, yep. maybe the best player in the country at any position. But it's not as much as you'd think because of everything else around him. You know, it's hard in a vacuum to say, like, the difference between this quarterback to this quarterback is this. There's so much else that goes into that. Alabama is still so much better than A&M mm-hmm. that they would be fine. So, And that's I think it's an important lesson to, like, kind of a jumping off point really quickly. It's we always talk about what is a guy worth to a point spread, but it is the difference between him and the guy behind him yeah. that is the value. That's the biggest thing for sure mm-hmm. because there, there are some quarterbacks in the NFL – that maybe they're not one of the best QBs in the league, but the team's backup is so bad right. that if he goes out, they're totally screwed. That doesn't mean that he is the best player in the league. 
It just means that they don't have anybody behind them. I, I always use the extreme example. If Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were on the same team and Tom Brady gets knocked out and Aaron Rodgers is the backup, uh, you're not adjusting the line. And people are like, you don't think Tom Brady's uh, worth anything? Maybe you'd adjust the line the other side well, yeah. in that example. <laughs> uh, no, you know what, Brady actually... You br- get the example. No, though, I, yeah. Of course I do. No, it's, it's all about the difference between those two players and Alabama, they're like a factory. They're just going to keep churning them out. They're going to have another superstar player no matter what happens. But I don't want to downplay Bryce Young because he, he is a special player. And and their passing game took a big hit when he left that game on Saturday against Arkansas. It took them a little while to find their footing, but then they did. And now they'd have a week to prepare. They'd be fine. Really quick, I know you mentioned this. Do you want to show some love for BYU-Notre Dame? It's going to be in our backyard out here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I think when the schedule came out, we thought maybe it'd be a better game. Notre Dame, of course, got off to a bad start. They lose to Ohio State, and then they lose the Marshall game in South Bend. But I think that's a really cool game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of BYU and Notre Dame fans at Allegiant Stadium. Good handle game for us in the evening. It's a 4.30 local game. Could be the most well-bet college game of the week. How much does the handle spike because they're actually going to be here? People coming in? I think, it, I think it does, but uh, I, I think that's something you'll see more on the strip, the, okay. uh, the properties that are closer to the stadium. But yeah, they're... Obviously, you got a lot of Notre Dame and BYU fans, and hopefully they come here and better the Superbook. Notre Dame, a three-and-a-half point favorite with a total of 51-and-a-half. Part of the Shamrock Series, I believe is what they're calling it. And uh, for those who don't know, Notre Dame did get first crack of the tickets because it's a home game, so maybe something for people who care about that sort of thing. There's going to be a lot of Irish fans that yes, game. I know some that are coming in for that game. I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's uh, having big college football games at Allegiant Stadium, that's something that would get me excited, John. Remember, you can always follow us on social media at Superbook Sports and check out Superbook.com. Stay on top of all the latest odds, boosts, and promos. And if you like what you heard today, like, rate, review, subscribe, and listen to The Odds Makers, presented by Superbook Sports, wherever you get your podcasts. Good luck this weekend, folks. You've been locked into The Odds Makers Podcast. The Odds Makers Podcast, presented by Superbook Sports, featuring Jay Cornegay, John Murray, and Jonathan Bontoe. Hit our subscribe button, rate, review, and never miss out on weekly behind-the-counter access to the biggest events in sports. The Oddsmakers Podcast is a production of Green Roll Media. Green Roll Media, the world's premier sports betting podcast network.